This is Advisor Stories from Advice Front. Welcome to Advisor Stories, the show where we uncover the secret lives of financial planners. I'm your host, Michael Taggart, and in each episode, I bring you two fascinating stories told by our subjects themselves. Because it turns out that the UK's financial planners and paraplanners are embroiled in this whole world of passions and pastimes, and we didn't really even know about them until now. We'll hear about the factors that drive our storytellers to give irreplaceable hours to their particular interest week in, week out, sometimes for years on end. Crucially, we'll learn how those pastimes teach them to be better advisors to their clients. If you want to get involved in this series or you know someone we should be talking to, tweet us. We're at AdviceFront on Twitter. First up this week, we've got Martin Bamford from Informed Choice, who tells us about his long hours in a canoe. I'm Martin Bamford, and this is me talking about why I kayak. Following my divorce from my first marriage 12 years ago, I took up kayaking for the first time since childhood. I had more spare time on my hands, wanted to get in shape, and just decided to go for it. During the summer months, I try to get out two or three times a week, but I've done it occasionally on beautiful, crisp winter days. I'm actually quite pleased to get out in any weather. The skill never goes away, and neither does the kayak. It's always there in the garden. I usually go on my own. It's one of those rare things, an escape from a hectic family life and business life. It's an opportunity to get an hour or two of real peace and quiet, disconnected from social media, the phone and the kids. My thoughts drift everywhere. I plan a lot of my writing from inside the kayak and as soon as I get home, I get those ideas down on paper so I don't lose them. My usual patch is seven miles from home on the riverway near Guildford. I've got a regular spot where I park up, get in the water and choose which way to go, downstream towards the Thames or upstream towards Godalming. I use a touring kayak with a big storage hatch so I can take food and drink. My wife's just bought me a hammock so the plan is to go out for the day, find somewhere to rest up and enjoy the wilderness. I want to kayak the entire length of the riverway in one go. It's about 24 miles. It will come down to timing and having the right build up and getting to a level of fitness in place before I give it a go. I've walked and cycled most of it before, so why not kayak it? It will feel nice to complete something in its entirety. It's definitely a stress buster, very relaxing. The Japanese talk about forest therapy. I'm particularly drawn to water from a stress reduction point of view and time I spend on it or in it, I feel calmer. To kayak, you need balance. It helps you avoid falling in. 
You also need a sense of adventure. There's an element of danger. I'm often on my own and very rarely wear a life jacket. I enjoy that element of danger. It keeps you connected with what you're doing. You need to be able to switch off and be in the moment. There's a danger that if you're rushing to get back to something else, you're not going to be able to enjoy it as much. Visit British Canoeing for information on how to purchase a waterways licence. Wow. If that story doesn't make you just want to go and plunge yourself into the nearest canal, then frankly I don't think anything will. Okay, for our second story today, we've got Catherine Morgan with a tale that any parent will find terrifying, I think, um, but ultimately uplifting. So we'll hear from Catherine in a moment, but first a very brief word about Advice Front. Now, if you're a financial planner or a paraplanner and you're curious about what Advice Front software does, then probably the best thing to do is to pop over to advicefront.com and you'll be amazed and impressed. But for those of you who are enjoying this podcast a little bit too much to go anywhere, Advicefront helps financial planners spend more time nurturing relationships with their clients by automating the boring, time-consuming elements of fact-finding, risk profiling, generating client agreements, and billing. And the best part is that it integrates with many of the tools that you already use. So if that interests you, again, please go over to advicefront.com and book a demo. Right, let's hear from Catherine. Why I Care About Meningitis by Catherine Morgan at The Money Panel. My second son Thomas was just five weeks old when I picked him up out of his Moses basket one morning after a disturbed night's sleep to find him kind of groaning at me. He was pushing his stomach out like he was constipated. He was just looking around the room but he wasn't moving. He was grey and every time I picked him up, he just screamed at me. He was clearly in pain. His hands were like ice, but his temperature was high. His skin became mottled, no rash. I rushed Thomas to A&E. They put me in a wheelchair with Thomas in my arms. He was really quiet, not moving very much. I'll never forget seeing a sign above me saying resuscitation and I thought, crikey, this is really quite serious. We were put into a curtained off cubicle and about 12 doctors swarmed around the bed. Thomas was in sepsis shock, meaning that his body was shutting down due to blood poisoning. They pumped him with antibiotics. About four days later, they had to do something called a lumbar puncture, where they curled him into a ball and took fluid from his spine with a huge syringe. My husband went with him and said it was horrific to watch. They sent the fluid for tests and when they came back, they showed that he had bacterial meningitis. I felt completely out of control. I couldn't do anything to help him. Meningitis can get into the brain and cause it to swell, leading to coma. Thomas didn't need this and after several weeks of antibiotics, recovered. Children can develop ongoing issues after meningitis, like hearing loss, but so far Thomas is not showing any signs of any lasting effects. When we came out of hospital, I went into post-traumatic stress disorder, because every time he cried, 
I was petrified and was back in that moment. This lasted for about two years until I recognised the signs and was given support through cognitive behavioural therapy. Looking back, I felt under a lot of pressure about whether I should react to my mum's intuition that something was seriously wrong with Thomas, but I'm so glad that I did. If I hadn't have listened to that intuition, it could have been a different story. My advice to new mums is to look at the advice maternity staff give you on meningitis in your red books. If your child develops cold hands and cold feet, a high temperature and is not feeding, take them straight to A&E. Thank you. Well, what a truly traumatic story from Catherine there. And you can see that she's emerged from it a stronger person. And I think if you're going through the same thing that Catherine went through or something similar, there's a, a lot of wisdom and advice there that you might find useful. Okay, that's all for this episode, folks. I've been your host, Michael Taggart, and this has been Advisor Stories, a series about the surprising and wonderful ways in which financial advisors spend their free time. If you know of any such tales, don't keep them to yourselves. Talk to us on Twitter. We're at AdviceFront. Or you could email us. YI, that's the word, Y, followed by I, at advicefront.com. YI at advicefront.com. So, from me, for now, it's au revoir, adios, auf Wiedersehen, and toodle pip. Thank you.